The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations. You are listening to the podcast, Tea and Talk, presented to inform, educate, inspire, and encourage meaningful conversations on Bahamian arts and culture. My name is Robert Bain, dancer, teacher, choreographer, and someone who believes in the preservation of all things Bahamian. I am sitting down with persons of like mind to discuss the Bahamian perspective on the arts and the Bahamian way. Now, let's welcome our guest. Good morning, and uh, this is Tea and Talk. This is Robert Bain. And of course, you know that this uh, podcast, Tea and Talk, is emanating from Nassau, Bahamas, uh, one of the islands of the Bahamas. Uh, we boast of 700 of them. Like I always say, you know, th these podcasts, all of them are very special uh, because I have special persons that are, that are part of my conversation. Um, this, this morning, I'm going to go like real way back uh, to a conversation with somebody that I'm very proud of. And this podcast is coming from California. And in the name of Sarah Crawl, I'm going to tell you a bit about Sarah in a few minutes. Uh, but... This podcast, Tea and Talk, was uh, established for artists like myself, so we can talk. You know, we really don't get an opportunity to express ourselves as we should sometimes, but it gives us the opportunity to have a platform that's our own. Um, it's a beautiful day here in Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, the temperature, oh God, I sound like a weatherman. The temperature is like 85 degrees, and they say with the humidity, it's like 95 degrees outside there. And uh, uh, I'm quite sure the weather's really nice in, um, in uh, California as well. But normally I would offer my guests uh, a cup of tea, but we're gonna forego the tea. I think Sarah's drinking coffee, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, but she'll tell us. Um, but uh, this awesome person I met many, many years ago. Uh, I think we spoke for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we hadn't talked in about 30, plus years, I guess, uh, but she was one of my students, um, and like I say, one that I'm very proud of, um, who uh, kind of did everything right, um, uh, got herself sorted out for her education, and then she wanted to explore the arts and see what she, I guess, what she could come up with, and she came up with a lot, and she did very much. Um, Sarah, Sarah actually went to St. Anne's, so hey, St. Anne's students, my kids went there as well. She went to St. Anne's uh, uh, in Fox Hill, Nassau, Bahamas, and um, she was a student of uh, the Dance Center. Um, well, actually before that, it was the Institute of the Arts. So um, I, there's been a conversation in Nassau, in the Bahamas, about a performing arts institution, but you know, sometimes we kind of forget uh, there was an institution here in Nassau, Bahamas, uh, of art that dealt with the arts. It was called the Institute of the Arts and was on Elizabeth Avenue opposite the palace, if anybody can remember that. Uh, so that's a historical fact. And it operated between, I guess, the late 70s to 80s, I guess, um, part of the 19, um, 1980s. Um, and it was operated by Kayla Lockett Edwards. And in that school, there were there, there was dance, there was music. Uh, there, from time to time, there were exhibitions that she held with all the artists around. So she made it 
really inclusive of everybody. And uh, it was, as far as I'm concerned, the first institution uh, for the arts here in uh, Nassau, Bahamas. Now, this is how I met this wonderful young lady, Sarah Crawl. Sarah, welcome to Tea and Talk. And, uh, well, <laughs> it's good to see you, man. <laughs> <laughs> see you too. Yeah. To yeah. So, Sarah, tell us a bit about Sarah Crawl. Well, I, I was actually doing the calculations on my calculator, and I met you 44 years ago. That's something. Wow. Um, and, and I met you um, because I was at St. Anne's. And you came to St. Anne's to do a demonstration at an assembly. Oh, okay. At our school. And you did a pas de deux, a duet, with a, another dancer, a young woman. Okay. And you were promoting your school, your dance school. And, you know, there were the, the regular high school snickers because you did some kind of, you know, pas de deux stuff and you were wearing tights. And, <laughs> but I was like, I want to do that. That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. I just felt right away a connection to what you were doing and also to you. I just felt like this is, this I think is my teacher. And so um, we were walking, my mother and I were walking downtown and I was shy, you know, I, I, we were walking downtown and there's the, the stairwell up to the, the Institute of the Arts. And she was like, if you really want to take that dance class, you got to go up there and you have to on your own ask for a brochure and I was like okay and I didn't hesitate I just walked up those stairs I don't think you were I don't think I've ever told you this because <laughs> when you're a teenager you don't tell adults yeah, right. anything um but I went up those stairs and I and I got that brochure I was so sure like my soul was sure that this was a journey for me and and then I became one of your students and I mean ever since I was five years old when I lived in Canada which is where I kind of grew up first I knew that I wanted to be a dancer and I loved ballet. And so to be around um, a black ballet dancer, choreographer, um, who was accomplished to me was really powerful. Um, and that was you, Robert. And so I just, I was like, I'm, I'm, this is my thing. So I took, I think I took three or four classes a week. You were very um, strict and disciplined and that matched what what I needed and what I loved and what I loved about the art, you know, was it it was beautiful and it also was disciplined. To me, it sort of matched life. You know, if you really lean into life in a good way, yeah. There's the the effort of it, and then there's the joy and the grace of it. Yes. You know? Yes. And and there's this beautiful balance there. And yeah, so I, I for my entire high school life, I was your student, and I remember one time. Um, we had a big performance, and I had the stomach flu. You remember that? <laughs> the vaguely. Yes, vaguely. <laughs> it was, like, big to me. I don't know. The theater was probably 200 people, but for me, it was, like, massive, you know? Yes. And the show must go on, so I, I handled some business. <laughs> I dried up, you know, put some lipstick on, got up on stage, and adrenaline took me there. And then maybe a half an hour later, I was in the bed. But to me, that just... It felt like I am dedicated to this art, you know, and in whatever way it, it unfolds in me. Yeah. And so after my time in Nassau, um, I moved to Canada where my father was teaching at a university and I took every dance class I could at this, you know, university in Windsor. And I was getting a degree in psychology. And after two years, 
I was like, I just, I've taken every single dance class I could, you know, from the phys ed department, the dance department, the theater department. And I decided to do an exercise where I, I looked at the catalog for all the different classes at the university and waited to see what my body did. Like, did it light up? Did my heart light up? And so I'm, I'm just uh, going through the pages, page, you know, engineering, um, law, social sciences, languages. And then when theater and dance came, my heart lit up. I closed the book and I went and told my father, I need to, to, to quit this school right now, for now, while my body is young and vibrant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. ready to dance. Yeah. And I, um, I tried a few things. I went to Ohio State University and auditioned for their dance department and I got in. Thank you, Robert Bain, for being my teacher and giving me some great discipline and, month and skills and technique. So I got into that program. I went to New York City and took dance classes um, there. And then I went to Boston and took dance classes there. And I had family there. And so to me, um, there was either the school route or the being in a big city and dancing for dance companies. And New York City felt too big for me. So Boston felt like just, yeah. it was sort of like... Yeah too hard, too soft, just right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so I went, um, to Boston, I waited on tables. I, you know, stayed with my aunt for a yeah. while. I, you know, lived the, the dancer's life. I took dance classes with dance company directors that I loved their work. I, I loved the work of Adrian Hawkins. Um, I auditioned for her dance company in probably 1983 okay. or no, maybe four or five. Um, cause I graduated high school from St. Anne's in 82. So like in 85, I was ready to audition. I got into the company. I toured with that dance company as a jazz dance company. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I love that the art of jazz felt like a combination of the ballet mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you taught me yeah. and that I learned from you. <clears throat> and so I could use that technique and it also had that extra flavor that I loved. I mean, I remember actually when I was seven or eight years old, love ballet my mother took me to see giselle this was in canada and um i watched with with great awe these dancers and their technique was so beautiful and i just loved it and i could tell that in order to be that good i mean i knew this at seven or eight in order to be that good as a dancer you had to de dedicate everything to it that had to be your entire life and i really understood that and for me, I was like, well, I don't think that's all I'm going to do in my life. I am a, a daughter of two social justice activists. Um, my father did a lot of work like anti-nukes and monetary policy. And my mother did work around race. So there was, there was this fire in me also to do work around social justice. Um, and I'm going on and on. Please. Do that's all right. That's all right. No, no, no. This is. <clears throat> I'm sure. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, some of your 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 former uh, Saint Anne's uh, um, friends will probably listen to this podcast and go, "Hey, Sarah," <laughs> you know. But Sarah, um, <clears throat> um, I I mean I know. Uh, well, I don't know. Your mother's name is Elaine Beeson, and she was also a teacher at. At an answer, right? Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, she yeah. was the art. She was the, the art, art teacher. teacher yeah. Very... Actually, she changed her her name to Elena Shakur, so she's Elena <laughs> Shakur now. Okay. Okay. Good. Very, awesome. Um, but uh, I just want to say that Sarah knows uh, a much 
more about the Bahamas and Nassau than most Bahamians. So I just want you all to know she's spent, she hasn't been here in a while, but uh, she's going to be come, coming this way rather soon. Uh, but Sarah, tell us about um, some of the, the, the projects that you have been uh, involved in living in California, some of the, the, the um, things that you have done uh, with regard to the arts and um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to kind of catch you up with my journey. So when I was living in Boston, I was dancing in these dance companies, I was touring. Um, they were pretty traditional um, jazz, ballet, modern dance companies. And then I took a workshop with a woman named Chrissy Kiefer um, from the Dance Brigade, which is... A I remember that company, theater. right? Yes. It's a dance theater company based yeah. in San Francisco, and they, they were in Boston doing workshops and performing. And they, they brought their, their brand of dance theater and, and scathing political commentary, mm -hmm. that sort of combi com combination of dance and social justice into this workshop setting. And I was like, oh, this, this is me. Mm -hmm. I love this. And so a couple of years later, I got in my car with my partner at the time, and we drove across the country mm -hmm. to San Francisco. And at that time, you could afford an apartment in San Francisco <laughs> if you were an artist. Yeah. So I yeah. bussed tables, waited tables, did my thing. <clears throat> and um, and then I auditioned for Dance Brigade. And the way that happened was I was at a march for women's reproductive rights. And I met a woman, we just got to talking. She was like, oh, you're new here, what do you wanna do? I was like, I wanna dance for Dance Brigade. And she was like, oh my God, I know the director of the company, I'll, you know, give me your phone number and I'll give her your number and she'll call you. I was like, yeah, right, you know? <laughs> like, this is super random, there's no way. Well, the next day I got a, a phone call from the director of Dance Brigade. And she's like, I hear you wanna be in Dance Brigade. I said, yes, I do. She said, can you audition tomorrow? I said, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I auditioned that the next day I got into the company and the following day I was in a photo shoot for a tour and then a, a month later I was on tour with them so I remember I you sending me eight years. you sent I remember you sending me a uh, a brochure or something there was these pictures of uh, these very colorful costumes. I, I could kind of vaguely remember it and uh, and then you mentioned uh, the fact that you were you were a student of Robert Bay in some place in there. I saw that. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> You're still on my resume. Yes, that, that's all right. That's all right. Yes, we 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 have all kind of uh, 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 grown and somewhat uh, changed, and and uh, you know our value has uh, has improved uh, a lot, a lot, a lot. You know. <laughs> so there you go. Right. Um, yeah, we deepen. We deepen as we go. If, they, if we're, lucky. They, we're like we're, we're like fine, fine, fine wine, eh? Or whatever. They, yeah, you know, it gets better. <laughs> yeah, but go go ahead. I yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember that that uh, brochure, and uh, I I think you and know. The brochure it, actually might have been the dance company that I started. So so I danced with Dance Brigade for eight years. Okay. And toward the end of that time, I started my own dance company called I Am Productions, and it basically featured this one two-woman show called Portrait of a Girl from Nowhere. Mm -hmm. And Portrait of a Girl from Nowhere was a dance theater piece about growing up biracial. So my mother's African-American, my father's white. Um, and I, I grew up in Canada, 
in the Bahamas and then came to the States when I was 19. So three countries, you know, in 20 years mm -hmm. and multiracial, all of that. And, and I had my partner at the time was um, biracial. Mm -hmm. And so we did this two woman show and uh, toured that. We toured it to Charleston, which is where my mom lives. And then we also toured it to Beijing, China. When we were the, in 1995, there was a conference called the Fest, it was the Women's Conference, Conference on Women. Hillary Clinton was there, Sweet Honey and the Rock was there, and we performed our two-in show there, Portrait of a Girl from Nowhere. So that may have been, because we played all the characters um, in the show. I was like the, the hippie girl, I was the wannabe, wannabe hip hop, you know, mm -hmm. girl. I was the, like, there were all these different characters, very colorful. And, and during that time, um, so I had my own dance company. I was just finishing out Dancing with Dance Brigade, did a good run with them, toured, did the whole thing. Um, I also started teaching dance at an art center in Oakland, California, right across the bay from San Francisco. Um, at the time, it was hand-to-hand -hand community arts center, and it was a martial arts school. And I got a California Arts Council residency grant, which at the time meant that I could get a paid get paid a monthly stipend to teach free classes to the community. So I taught classes for adults. It was a stretch class at eight in the morning. I got rid of that quickly because that was too <laughs> early for me. <laughs> but then I started teaching after school classes yes. um, for kids three to eighteen. So I had the the babies doing creative movement. I did a modern and a hip-hop class for 7- to 12-year-olds, a modern and a hip-hop class for teens. Um, and it started off small. Then I, I, I started a dance theater company for teenagers called the Destiny Arts Youth Performance Company um, because I really wanted to do original dance theater pieces that I created with the young people themselves because I was really using the model of Dance Brigade, which was to create work around social and political issues that's that's iterative, that's collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. Between the dancers and the directors um, and have scathing political commentary to have tender personal storytelling and to have powerful dance combined and yeah. beautiful sets, beautiful light, beautiful, beautiful production. And I just, I developed that over, you know, a bunch of years, kind of got better at it figured out how to do the whole working with lighting designers and costume designers and set designers. And we then started partnering with different guest artists, one of which was um, Bandaloop, which is a vertical dance company based in Oakland. They actually are, they have an international presence now, but they, they dance off a building. So they, they use rock climbing gear mm, and they literally dance in the air. It's gorgeous. And, um, I knew the director, Amelia Rudolph, when she was just getting her, I think her master's degree in dance, and she would she started this new thing that she was into rock climbing. Mm -hmm. So she danced off of these rock climbing walls at a rock climbing studio mm -hmm. here in Oakland. And then it, it blossomed and, and became this international phenomenon. Um, and during that time, she was teaching my kids in the Destiny Arts Youth Performance Company you know, a small subset of a, a big group of kids volunteered to, to learn how to 
do this aerial dance and I had them off building, you know, doing gorgeous dance wow. off of buildings, wow. lit with live drummers. You know, I got really, the production got really sophisticated over the years. So That's I, interesting. I 27, That's interesting. 27 original shows. I wrote a curriculum about it um, called Youth on the Move, which is creating original movement theater with teenagers. And, you know, so that I could offer that to, to teachers who did dance and wanted to do original theater and, and movement with young people that that had some meaning to them that they felt connected to the work in a in a in an emotional way in a political way in a in a spiritual way way um sarah your program the program that we had discussed with the young people let, let me ask a question um, what do you th um what are the differences uh of when you started dance and now, in 2023, what are some of the differences that you, you, uh, you've come to realize in terms of uh, learning the dance? Uh, also, um, what are some of the, 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 the techniques that you use to, to uh, that's two questions, but uh, what are some of the techniques that you actually use to uh, excite the interest of young people? I think that's a really good question because I ran this art center and ran the dance programs at this art center for 30 years. And the art center is called now Destiny Art Center. Mm -hmm. um, and Destiny stands for de-escalation skills, training, inspiring nonviolence and youth. Mm -hmm. um, they started, like I said, as a martial arts school. And I came in because um, the director of the school was like, we really want to give kids skills to be safe right, fighting skills, like a sense of community with each other. Um, and in order to get kids interested, everybody doesn't want to do martial arts. And hip hop was a like a new thing when mm -hmm. I started at Destiny in 1990. It wasn't new, but it was new to the, the dance studio scene. And I was like going to the clubs and learning hip hop. So I had my ballet background, had my modern and jazz background, mm -hmm. and then I was in the hip hop scene. And so I was combining those things when I started at Destiny Art Center in 1990 to excite the kids and also to, to give them curriculum around self-defense skills, um, community building skills, youth leadership skills. Um, so and Oakland is very well known for being an activist city, for being a very, what we call chocolate city here. It's very black. Um, and people talk about it being a violent city. Honestly, it's not any more violent than any other city. It's the home of the Black Panther Party. It's, it's a powerful space. Um, I think it gets that reputation for various and sundry racist reasons. Mm -hmm. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah. What you asked me about is what, what the kids are like now and what interests them. And I think there's a through line. Um, the 30 years that I've taught dance, um, specifically with young people and co-created work with them, the through line is that they want to tell stories. Okay. So for teenagers, they want to be storytellers. So they want to tell stories with their bodies and they want to tell stories um, through text. Um, they also have a passionate, they have a passion for fairness because I did do those two years. I actually ended up going back to school and, and getting a degree in psychology. Okay. And I, I took my adolescent psychology course twice by accident. I was like, huh, not an accident because I'm going to be working with teenagers. Mm -hmm. I needed to review. But, um, but one thing uh, developmentally with teenagers is they have 
a very powerful passion for things being fair. Like if you ever heard a teenager say, that's not fair, you know, <laughs> that's part of their psychology. They're building, to me, it's like the building blocks for a powerful civic society where people are really responding to um, whatever's happening in a good way. So they're being responsible. Um, they're, they're making sure that things are fair for everyone. Well, it can go off the rails and just be like a whining fest, or it can be um, a channeled passion for justice. And so to me, that's what one of my jobs was to, to channel that, that's not fair, into a passion for, for justice, not only for themselves, their friends, their family, their community, but the entire world. Right. Like, what does it look like to actually understand you have impact? So, and, and how do you use your art to do that? So that was always, you know, the through line for the, the time that I was working with young people. I think what shifted over the years is a passion for black arts in the black community in Oakland. And I eventually at Destiny shifted out of the more classical um, movement training and went exclusively to African dance and hip hop dance. Mm -hmm. And I did that intentionally. I mean, my art form was ballet and modern, right? That's what I was bringing in jazz. Um, but the, the young people were more excited about the hip hop movement, the more Afrocentric movement. And so for me, I was like, let me respond to that and let me give them rigorous training in that space and, and help them to understand, yes, it's a street art form, and it has legitimacy, and it has rigor, and it has discipline, just like the training that I got from you, Robert, that um, that it instilled a sense of dignity, a sense of mastery, a sense of connection to community, that all of that was necessary to uplift the individual. Mm -hmm. So you get out of this program, and you feel like, I can do anything. So I may be a dancer, I may be a teacher that infuses movement into my teaching i may be a social justice activist i may be you know i mean i have one student who moved to south africa and, and works in um housing rights for for folks in in cape town um all the way to dance teachers who incorporate social justice themes into their dance so and everything in between right but for me are you a good human being that's what i was interested in yeah. and so that's the through line but over time so like I said, the, the passion for Afrocentric art definitely deepened for my students. And then in comes uh, social media. <laughs> and yeah. this immediate, this immediate um, gratification. It's like then all of a sudden, the understanding that it takes a long time to get good at something. Right, right, right. yes. And, and, and a clear commitment and a steady commitment and a daily rigor, like that kind of started floating off in the distance. Like, well, I'm just going to watch this YouTube video and learn that little dance step and then, you know, I'll be good. Right. And I kept like really pushing up against that. And, and then I, you know, I would surrender a little bit to it. Like, okay, watch this little thing and now let's actually do a rigorous thing. Mm -hmm to back that right. thing up yeah. that you just saw on YouTube or whatever, right? right? Um, and also like a lot of like booty pop and, you know, like to me it's sort of candy dance. It's like, 
you get this immediate adrenaline rush or a rush and then it's over and you need more of it mm -hmm. rather than like you're eating vegetables you're eating like you know <laughs> conch salad which <laughs> i'm really dying to have when i come back to nasa <laughs> um you're eating something healthy for your body right yeah, yeah. no it's like quick fix and then on to the next thing instead of really deepening into the art and so the strategies that that i employed were different i mean i like collected all their phones in a box when they came to rehearsal mm -hmm. they didn't get their cell phones that's for the a whole great idea that's a great idea you know what i'm saying yeah well i, I yeah and <laughs> you have to have a charging station inside the boxes and their complaint was well my i gotta call my mom and if if the the phone is dead that i was like okay a i have a phone a real regular landline phone over there they mm -hmm. know where you mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. And two, I can plug your phone in. So you ain't got no excuses. Oh, there you go. You got to get in there and dance. Thank you for that. You know? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> that, that that's interesting. Um, um, Sarah, what, um, another question. Uh, I, uh, this is exciting. Um, what is the resistance of these young people to, to classical ballet training? Um we try to to instill in them the importance of it. Now, I know of late there 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 are persons who don't really believe in the that being a basis for anything. I know they do, and that's that's fine because I feel the same way about them. But if you if you look at an African dance uh, or an African um, whatever or, or even jazz or what whatever style persons have created these days, there whether they believe it or not, there 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 are ballet influences there are things that pops out that's classical ballet like an attitude like right certain things they don't talk about but they want to just separate it um so there are persons who believe that that uh, uh ballet has no nothing to do with other styles and some of the styles that they're creating today i don't really um i guess because i'm mature i guess i don't know <laughs> i don't know but uh <laughs> But some, uh, but yeah, some people believe that. But my thing is, uh, what, are, what are, um, why is there so much resistance uh, of the the young people to the the the, the classical ballet training? Um, these are some things I want to understand, uh, and I think it could help us here because here in the Bahamas, we are we have um, similar. I, I I believe we are we have a lot of similarities in our children because of social media, uh, because of the world how the world is open up and they can just reach stuff from everywhere, uh, and they basically have some of the same temperament, the same attitude. They say some of the same things. Whether you live in in, in North America, South America, wherever you live, the everybody have the same temperament. They say some of the same things. They have the same interests, uh, attention span, whatever. It seemed to be. Mm. Um, and it just seemed to be something of the ages, I guess. But uh, like I say, what are what what are why is there such resistance? I think we're in a. It, this is my opinion. I think we're in this turning right now as a uh, as a global society. That that, I mean, Nassau is a is a really special place. The Bahamas is a special place. It was a special place for me to, like, lean out of. The, the North American racist um, space mm -hmm. and being, you know, of course, no place in the world is exempt from racism. And I think there are degrees in different spaces and different countries. Um, I think 
you know, because the United States has such an influence on the global culture, especially African-American culture is very strong, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, African culture in general is so powerful. It's powerful, and, yeah. You know, don't even get me started on how I think that, you know, white supremacy and whiteness, not just white people, but to me, I put it in white in the, the category of whiteness or white supremacy is afraid of the strength of African culture. Yeah. So I'll lay that as a foundation. But I think now, like with the the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, you know, started a lot of it started here in Oakland. Mm -hmm. So the the sense that black bodies as they are are valuable. So this is the positive side to me. Um, I think then there's a decolonization of our bodies mm -hmm. and our mm -hmm. and our, our dancing, our music. Um, and I believe in those transitional times that there's a pendulum that swings. There you go. Mm -hmm. So if ballet is a representation of, of European culture that then colonized our bodies, yes. then it must be rejected for some time mm -hmm. until there's, there's a reckoning until there's a, there's an evening of like, all things are valuable mm -hmm. if if because in the united states ballet and the symphony you know all of that stuff in terms of funding dance and dance companies and the ballet gets the bulk of the funding mm -hmm. right absolutely so yeah. even just that like in terms of value then we're valuing a european art form yes. more than Us african yes. based yeah. art form yeah. yes and so if you if that dichotomy exists, if that inequity exists, and there's an uprising in a global culture, I mean, even like when George Floyd was killed, was murdered by the police, there was this global uprising yes, yes, against is. white supremacy yes. and against the colonization of our minds and our bodies. Yes. So to me, the pendulum then is swinging and it, it, and like I said at Destiny Art Center, I was like, and let us allow that pendulum to swing. And then I feel like it's so interesting for me personally, after the, like, after I released any kind of balletic movement from my art school, mm -hmm. I felt like I could appreciate the art of ballet in a different way. Right, yes. Okay. It's almost like to claim myself as an African person, you know, mm -hmm. as a, a person of African descent, mm -hmm. um, and to say, I reject um, anything European, European in yes. my body and yes. in my mind. Yes. If I reject it, then I, then it's almost like, okay, now I can have some perspective right. and I, I can go, oh, now I can value the thing without it having power over me. Well put, you know sir. what I mean? Yes. Like as a yes. gorgeous piece of art, yeah. as a beautiful art form, yes. rather than as an all-consuming, you're not good because your body isn't a white body, your leg can't do this or whatever. Rather than that, just see it as this gorgeous art form. Yes, yes, absolutely. That that can be combined, that can be a part of the canon of of art yeah, that exists. Absolutely. Join me for the continuation of my discussion with Sarah Crawl. You're listening to Tea and Talk. The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests 
and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations.